The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Gregoratis, and I'm speaking to you from my studio in Los Angeles, California. I hope that this audio recording finds you happy and healthy, and that whatever it is that you're doing with your life, you're doing it with your full heart and total commitment. I want to remind you guys that you can get a free copy of my book, Aligned, The Modern Man's Guide to Health, Wealth, and Freedom, by heading on over to liberationmentor.com forward slash book. Just pop in your email address and you'll get a free digital copy, or you can find the book on Amazon. Today's guest is a hugely accomplished human being. His story is quite literally like something out of a fairy tale. And he shows in the conversation why he is where he is today, why he's had the massive success that he has had, and why everything he touches turns to gold. I consider it a true honor to have had a conversation with him, let alone to have him on my podcast. And uh, without further ado, here's Chatri Sityad Tong. Enjoy. Hey, brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm here with the one and only Chatri Sityad Tong, who is a fascinating character. He blends Japanese and Thai ethnicity with martial arts mastery and entrepreneurial wizardry to present a pretty compelling package. He's also the founder of One FC, which most of you viewers or listeners will, will be familiar with. And I'm just so blessed to have you on the show, Chatri. Thank you so much for making the time. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Nicholas. I uh, really appreciate, you know, uh, Hodger is uh, a really good close friend of mine. We talk uh, almost every few weeks. So, uh, so it's great to, you know, and obviously I think you're his first black belt, if I'm not mistaken. I am indeed. I am indeed. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great honor. You've got a fascinating story, man. And I want to start at the early part. So it's my understanding that you have a Thai father and a Japanese mother. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Okay. So your father abandoned your family at a very young age. Is that correct? I wouldn't say young age. I mean, I grew up uh, in Thailand. I grew up, uh, you know, uh, well-to-do in, in my early childhood. And then the Asian, and, and so my father was a, a real estate, he worked in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we started off probably, you know, at the very, very early age when I was born, I was probably, we were, we were probably, you know, lower middle class or something. And then my father eventually worked through the ranks. So I remember my early teenage years as being very blessed. I never, n- never lacked for anything. But, you know, then the Asian financial crisis uh, hit uh, a few years later and, and then my father lost everything mm-hmm. and then uh, abandoned the family. And, and that's when it got really, really difficult because then it was wow. my myself and my mother and my younger brother. That's, yeah, wow. I, you know, I, I'm thinking of my time in Thailand. I've spent, uh, I've been to Thailand many times. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And it's the only place I've ever been that has the same discrepancy in income between the rich and the poor um, as South Africa, where I grew up. And uh, it was so interesting to meet these basically two classes of people there. It's it's the haves and the have-nots. And uh, 
it's it's just fascinating that that whole part of the culture just fascinates me and, and how it just it seems to work you know so i can't imagine having been someone who was on the one side of the tracks and then going to the other side in a place yeah. like thailand yeah wow. no no it, it, that that was a a very difficult time because you know the, the well first of all the entire country went uh in, into chaos because of the um asian financial crisis and if i'm not mistaken i think the economy contracted 30 40% wow. and, and uh, yeah and and the stock market was down 95 97% suicide rates were all time highs and, and there's a lot of devastation and thailand is a country where you're absolutely right where hierarchy really matters and it kind of drives social status and how your your quote unquote standing within the community and so yeah it was it, it was a very eye opening to see how many friends my family actually didn't have yeah yeah you know yeah. Uh, w- w- when the shit hits the fan you know you find out every, very quickly yeah, you find out very quickly years and nobody you know and so it taught me a lot of you know valuable life lessons going through that journey because most people don't have to go through the extreme of being poor and then i've been had the good fortune of blessed you know to to, to be uh to basically have financial freedom. And, and so that whole thing, that, that, that dichotomy, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's like, it's given me so much. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm very grateful for my days in poverty because it gives, it has given me so much perspective on life on myself, but also a lot of compassion and empathy mm-hmm. for people. Um, and I think that has allowed me to be a leader who tries to not only take care of his or her people, you know, take take care of my people, but really drive. You know, a lot of my a lot of my leadership decisions in life are are, are about my impact on the many inequalities of life, whether it's you know income inequality, education inequality, or gender inequality. These are very important issues for me, just because of my life, what I went through in my life. Mm, I understand. And one of the things I noticed about coming coming back to Thailand and when you speak of the income inequality is, you know, where I'm from in South Africa, as I mentioned, it's it's not a wealthy or, or there is this huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. But there is a is a difference that I noticed about Thailand, which is the have-nots are generally still happy, right? Or at least they, they make the appearance that they are or they present the appearance that they are. They just seem to be a lot more content. And I'm, I'm wondering, first of all, is that true? And then secondly, if it is, to what do you attribute that? Is it is it Buddhism or why do you think that that happens? Yeah, no, actually, that's very profound what you say. I, I agree. And I've been all over the world and I have seen wealthy societies complain, bitch and moan about the most mundane things that make it like it's the world's greatest problem. And I have like, you know, of course, I'm biased. I, I grew up, I'm, I'm Thai. But Thai people in general are happy. There's a happy spirit and, and there's an acceptance of, you know, whatever happens in life, you can have a uh, not so much attachment to it. And, and I do believe it is rooted in Buddhism, but there are many countries that, that are Buddhist countries around the world that don't have the same happiness. But I agree with you. On average, all of my Thai friends, and I have dirt, dirt poor Thai friends from the Muay Thai community. And I have very wealthy friends, my business friends in, in Thailand. And uh, I'll tell you, the poor are relative to other poor countries I've seen. Thai people seem to handle it 
a lot better. Now, I will say that this whole COVID thing has really wrecked the country the last, you know, eight, 20 months or so. And, and definitely now, I think everyone is suffering in the country because of all the lockdowns and stuff and, and obviously lack of employment and, and, and all that. And um, so it's not all happy times. But, yeah, but I agree. Sure. Hey, yeah, but but I agree with you. You know, what you see on the streets of Thailand, streets of Bangkok or Pattaya, wherever you've been, mm-hmm. that is real. People, yeah. people aren't they can be happy. They, 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 it is a happy culture overall. That's so cool to hear. You know, I actually have on my on the inside of my left arm, I got the word, the Thai word for gratitude tattooed on my arm because Thailand is the first place I ever experienced true gratitude for being alive. Not just because I saw how, I mean, how much I had relative to the poor people there, but just, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to just spend time there in that culture and and that amazing food and the happy people and the climate and hanging out with my friends. And it's, it's a place, Thailand is a place that will always, you know, have a a spot in my heart. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I got to experience it. And I tell everyone, like, if you want to, if you want to go to the real magic kingdom, forget fucking Disneyland, go to Thailand. Like that's, that's the place, right? It's, <laughs> that, it's that's so funny. amazing. Yeah. Actually, it's so amazing. You hit upon a very uh, important concept in Thai culture, which is gratitude and the expression of gratitude through action, you know? It, it, and I think this is probably the underpinning of, of, of why Thai people are so happy. Uh, we're taught at a very young age, not only through religion, but just through social customs to always express our gratitude through actions to our elders, to our friends, to to strangers. And I think when you are grateful for your blessings, because all of us, okay, no matter what station you have in life, all of us have negative things going on, things that are, are bothering us, that are problems. And then there's also positive things in our life, our blessings, right? Whether it's our health, our family, our friends, our hobbies, whatever it may be. And I find that in an increasingly materialistic world, let's say an Instagram world, where people are artificially posting their happiness with material things. I have a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, and it's a nice photo, or I have a, you know, I'm on, on some luxury trip, when in reality, that's not the reality, right? And I feel like this is a dangerous thing with the Instagram generation. It's it's that it's it's based on a facade and not true values, if, if, if I can say. And I, I think, yeah, I think society in Thailand, although I do worry about, you know, the next generation in Thailand, because we are seeing the effect of social media mm-hmm. uh, on the younger generation. But, but yes, gratitude is a deep, deeply profound concept that's woven through every fabric of society in Thailand. Mm, that's, that's interesting. I had this, th- I mean, I, I'm totally on the same page. I'm a big proponent of the idea that uh, those who count their blessings are given more. And I always had this belief that one of the reasons the United States became the most wealthy, successful country in, in many regards. I mean, I know it's got its problems, but one of the reasons that achieved that is because there is a national holiday called Thanksgiving, which is just dedicated to the expression of gratitude. And on a meta scale, that country is, this country thanks its blessings. And so it is given more. Now, again, whether that's true or not, it's, it's just, it's just the way I think. And um, 
I, one of the things I do in my work with, with men is I, uh, the first thing I get them to do is just identify everything they have in their life to be grateful for. Because as you said, we've all got trials and tribulations, but we've all got things, things that we can be grateful for and, and blessings. And the more you look at them, the more they, the more you focus on them, the more they grow. Yeah, man, that's, it's incredible that you say that. Cause I, I have a, uh, every day I count my blessings and I don't mean that trivially. I, I, I think deeply about all the things I've been lucky. You know, my life could have turned out very, very differently if I'd mm-hmm. taken one wrong step or met one wrong person or didn't have the right person or right friend to guide me or, you know, life is so um, fragile mm-hmm. and, and we're making decisions every day. And I've been very lucky, just very, very blessed. And so I agree. I, 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 I think about my blessings like every day. Like it's just, uh, it's something that I, I, I spend a lot of time focusing on and I have a lot of problems. <laughs> that, that, that's not to say I don't have problems, you know, uh, you know, running multiple businesses and, and um, you know, a, a global company like one, it, it comes with a lot of challenges problems, for sure. Big yeah. and small. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I mean, if it didn't, you'd be bored. Just be bored. <laughs> that's, that's the curse, right? Nick. Yeah. I mean, we all want to push our, our boundaries and, and discover our potential Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's probably why I do martial arts every day to this day. You know, I've been doing Muay Thai 37 years and I still train almost every day. Wild. Jiu-Jitsu, I train five to six times a week. I take it very seriously. Like I, you know, um, Jiu-Jitsu has been a very important part of my development as a person. I've been doing about 16 years in total. I'm, I'm not very good, but I... I, uh, I, don't, I, just, I don't believe I'll, that for a second, man. Not for one second. <laughs> I, I plow, I plow away every day, you know, um, on this journey. And, and, and the reason why I love jujitsu or Muay Thai or martial arts is, uh, it's, it's a beautiful platform that I truly believe unleashes human greatness, um, because it, it forces you to, or rather it forges in you these incredible values of integrity, humility, honor, respect, courage, discipline, compassion, things that, that are very, very important in life. Right. And, uh, and increasingly rare. Exactly. And most of all, you know, martial arts empowers you with the warrior spirit. I mean, how many hours have I gotten smashed on the mats and come home discouraged, disheartened and wanting to quit. And yet I wake up and I go back to, you know, to jujitsu. So it's, it's it's one of these things that, you know, it's, it's, um, that has also taught me gratitude. And and, and another thing I really love about jujitsu is, um, the French, I always tell my friends, you know, who are in the business world who don't do martial arts, that friendships born on the mats are, are more real than anything. You know, there are, there is, no, there is no social hierarchy. There is no, what's your bank account, or your car or this, that, the other, you know, you're all equals on this journey, striving to be a better version of yourself. And, and, uh, I, I totally get it. And I, I completely agree with you, Chatri. You know, I, I think about this often because there was a point where I, I was completely, uh, I'd, I'd lost the love of jujitsu. It was partly related to a, a business relationship that I had because I had a, a business built around jujitsu and my business partner and I were, were not getting on at the time. And it was causing me a lot of stress and, and difficulty and, and heartache, to be honest. And um, I kind of, for that reason, I just, there was so much pressure on me and I, my whole life was jujitsu for so long that I kind of, I neglected it and I fell out of love with it. That's the honest truth. And if I look back now, you know, 
it's been the one constant in my life, my whole adult life, through all the shit, through all the times when I was broke, through the times when I was going through a difficult relationship thing, through the times when I was disillusioned with my journey in life and I didn't know what to do, that fucking mat was always there. It was always there. I could always just go and step on the mats. And sometimes I got the shit kicked out of me and I wasn't on point and I wasn't like the best jujitsu version of myself. But either way, I was there with my friends and we were all laughing and growing and sweating. And it's such a sacred thing, man. It's such a blessing. It's such a, an absolute blessing. And I'm so glad you recognize that. That, that. That's literally my martial arts journey too. You know, this is why I started Muay Thai as a kid in Thailand and, and I never stopped. I, it, it, it was when I first went to America, you know, um, especially when I went to uh, Harvard, you know, I was definitely the poorest kid. I had, you know, one suitcase and nothing else. And, and, um, I didn't even have money for books or, or, uh, or school fees. And yet my mom was on the other side of the planet banking on me to bring the family out of poverty. And wow. one concept I had was martial arts. You know, I taught Muay Thai, believe it or not for pocket money because, and that was how I survived in America initially, you know, I got, I got Amazing. Low as well, but, but without, my Muay Thai, but also Muay Thai, you know, in a, um, in a life sense also gave me that warrior spirit. Like there's no way, no way in hell I was going to quit. And I did think about giving up a few times in my life. It was just too daunting and there's too much pressure and there's too much, um, insecurity and fear and doubt in me, you know, in addition to the financial situation I was in, like, I was like, the worst thing that could ever happen to me is I go to Harvard, take out loans. And then I don't graduate cause I'm not, um, academically gifted enough all these crazy thoughts were in my head. And then, I, so I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I should be getting a job to provide for my mother and my younger brother. And, you know, this is my mom's plan was for me to go to Harvard because that was our way. She, she believed, she genuinely believed that was our way out. Cause I could get a safe corporate job afterwards and, 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 and everything went back to normal and martial arts. Yeah. I agree with you, man, through good or bad or ugly, you know, martial arts has always been my constant and, and, and my joints almost without fail the happiest hour or two hours of my day <laughs> yeah is, is, is in, you know is in the martial arts academy yeah i hear you man i, I like I, I couldn't have said it better myself what i want to dig a little bit deeper into chatri is um first of all i never and when, when you said there were there were points where you were doubting yourself it's strange you are someone i followed your career you know from a distance i know a little bit about you but I never in a million years would have thought that you were someone who had ever dealt with things like self-doubt. So it's actually kind of relieving to hear that. Uh, you, you just seem all, to be the kind of, <laughs> yeah, you seem all to the be time, someone man, like, you know, I think it doesn't matter where you are in life. You always have fears, doubts, and insecurities. It, it, it really doesn't. And, and I guess they change right uh, over time. And, and some of them don't, but when I was younger, in my twenties, I was filled with a lot of fear, doubt, and insecurity because a watching my father go bankrupt and then abandoning the family. I had uh, the wrong impression of love because of what happened with, with, with my father, my mother. I had a lot of self doubt about my abilities, about my decisions. And, and even to this day, I, I have fears, doubts, and insecurities. And you know, again, it goes back to what do we listen to in, in our life? And I think that's what dictates our trajectory, especially in, in our worst moments, right? In our worst moments in life, 
every human being on the planet, we will listen to our fears, doubts, and insecurities because we're down and out. And the most important thing is not, is, is, is to listen to your passions, your dreams, the things that ignite your soul and hold on to those things. And, and that's literally what helped me get through the darkest moments of my life is I would have, you know, it, it was literally on one side, I'm like, Chatri, you're going to fail out of Harvard. You don't have any money. Everyone is wealthier than you. You're wearing the same jeans every single day. I was so embarrassed of my family background and my, and, and my financial situation. I never, never, I was always trying to fit in at Harvard. I just didn't belong. You know, I could feel it, or at least I, I perceived it that way. Right. Like, Oh, everyone knows I'm poor. Da, 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 and I, you know, but, or we can listen to the fact that, Hey man, I have an opportunity of a lifetime. Yes. I still might get kicked out of school because of academics and you know, you're, I'm not good enough or, or I couldn't find the school fees. And so I didn't, I had no visibility on my life. And all I did was look, I'm going to try my best every day. I'm just going to try my best every day. One day at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. I couldn't think if, because if I thought about the full time, I thought there's no way I would survive academically or financially. I was like, there's just no path. I couldn't see it. Mm. What was the turning point for you, Chattery? Well, you know, the very first week I remember, again, I had one suitcase with all my life belongings. And when I was a, a young boy, my mother she used to always say to this, and, and again, I don't know, I used to think it was motherly gibberish, but I think sometimes words can become destiny. And my mom mm-hmm. used to always say when I was a kid, Chachi, you're going to grow up to help the world, help people. Mm-hmm. And she used to say all the time growing up, like from five years old, all the way until, you know, and, and even as recently as when I first started at Harvard, she'd just be like, your destiny, you're going to help the world. And I never, I was like, ah, whatever, all moms say that, or it's mom, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then it, it hit me, you know, like if you fight for something bigger than yourself, you become unbreakable. If you fight only for yourself, you are breakable. Meaning this, mm. if, if I fight just because I want more money or I want a Lamborghini or I want a house or I want the promotion or whatever it is, right? It's a very selfish. And so when there is massive adversity, your, your, your likelihood of breaking is very high. But if you're like, I want this because I need to bring my family out of poverty. I need to provide my, my younger brother's education. I need to bring my mother to America. Then suddenly it becomes not about yourself. It becomes, there's just no out. I have no out. I have to, I have to succeed. And, and it doesn't matter what adversity is put in front of me. I have to. And so this is something that's always in my mind is, is every step of my, my, my journey, I always think about what is my purpose? And, and when it's bigger than something, much bigger than myself, then that, those things give me a lot of fight. In addition, obviously, to my martial arts training already from being a, having a warrior spirit. But yeah, for sure, uh, Nick, I have fears, doubts, and insecurities <laughs> every day. Yeah, well, I don't want to say I'm happy to hear that. I'm relieved to hear that, as I said earlier. <laughs> It's yeah. interesting, I, the, this idea of this, this thing bigger than yourself, it's strange because the martial arts journey is actually initially, it is a very selfish one, especially if you're competing. Yeah. You know, it's all about you. You've got to be focused on you and your body and your health and your abilities. And, and what, what happens eventually, you get to the limits of that. You realize that there's, no, there's, there's always a bigger guy. There's always a bigger dog. Your body starts to give out. You realize that you're not the, the man that you used to be physically, you know, and then you've got to start thinking, okay, what's, what's the thing beyond that? 
And that, that actually only happened to me relatively recently. And that's one of the reasons I've, I've found a newfound passion for jujitsu because now, yeah, I want to get better and I like getting better and I do my very best to get better, but that pales into insignificance when, when compared to watching the people I teach get better. That is so much more rewarding and so much more profound. And I think anything in life, if you do it with this understanding that you, the world is your mirror, right? And if you help, if you help the world, you're helping yourself, right? It's just a reflection of you, right? So yes. That's something I, I really focus on. And the crazy thing is, it's so trite, but it's so true that the more you give people, the more you give your friends, the more you give your family, the more you give the world, the more in return you do get. But also, most importantly, is you you feel fulfilled internally. And, yeah. and you know, no matter what kind of material things you buy for yourself, it will never ever fill that hole in you that a life of gratitude and giving can give you. And service, service. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Gratitude and giving, right? That is a service. Yeah. When you realize that you are helping others, when you're giving, using your talents on, on you know, your God-given talents and gifts and blessings, and you're using it for the betterment of something bigger than yourself, right? And again, it's mm. impact on people. That in itself is fuel, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. You spoke, you were, we were speaking about Roger and that's the connection that we have. And he was one of the people that taught me that, you know, Roger's someone like I saw so many times when I was training with him there in London, there was so many times he was so generous. He gave so much. When I remember one of the students, one of my best training partners had a, a very severe knee injury. And this, this it was a broke guy from Angola who was living in London. there, just training, eking out a living. And Roger just paid for his surgery you know, like tens of thousands of dollars. And I remember thinking to myself, and maybe I shouldn't have even said that because I guess Roger probably didn't want anyone to know, but there's a reason why he's got so much success and why people love him. It's because he gives, he's, he's a giver, right? And it was, I think to be honest, it wasn't the jujitsu that was the best lesson I learned from him. It was that, it's just the service. And I'm reminded of, uh, I cannot remember which of the Kennedys it was. It was one of the females of the Kennedy family I remember her, I was watching a documentary many years ago and she was featured in it and she was, she was talking to a crowd. She was giving a speech and she was speaking about service. And she said, she was imploring the crowd. She was saying, I promise you, I promise you a life of service is the path to happiness. It's not money or riches or fame. It's a life of service. And, you know, she was the one who could make that judgment because she had fame and riches and, and all those things that people think are going to make them happy. And she still chose to focus on service. And that always stuck with me. Yeah, no. And it's so true. I'm telling you, like, again, I've, uh, well, first of all, you know, I love Roger and, and you're absolutely right about Roger. He, he is, a and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, he asked me to be his business mentor and, you know, I, I gladly play that role with him. Obviously he's my jujitsu mentor in many ways too. Right. But, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's because I see so much in him that of course he's the greatest jiu-jitsu competitor ever, but I, I meant like his ability to make an impact and his big heart and, and his mm -hmm. desire. And he didn't have business training. So we have a vision together making Roger Gracie Academy, the largest brand all over Europe. This is his dream. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, you know, advising him along the way. And, and of course, then the pandemic hit and stuff, but I've been also advising him through the pandemic and stuff. But, uh, you know, he and I have this, this mutual deep friendship because we're built the same way. So not, not physically. I mean, I mean, in, you know, <laughs> spiritually uh, yeah. built the same way. I know what you mean. 
I remember there was a, there's a guy in, in London who was a mentor of mine and, and someone who helped Roger out initially a very, very, I, I won't mention his name, but he's very highly evolved man. And, uh, he hugely successful as well. And he, he once said to me, he said, Roger's special. And that always stuck with me. And it, it's true. It's, it's such a gift to know him. I think about that every time I I'm reminded that I'm, I'm connected to him. I, I just, I'm so grateful for that. So truly grateful. Chatri, my man, I'm so appreciative of your time. It's, uh, I know you're such a busy guy and you, you took the time out of your, your schedule to make space for this conversation. And it, it has really elevated my consciousness and I know it will elevate the consciousness of, of everyone listening. I mean, I'm sure most of the guys know of 1FC, but if there's anything else that you, you want to point them towards, is, is there any other project that's close to your heart that you want to, you want to plug or push? No, I mean, uh, the one thing that I'm always pushing people is, is to, to just start martial arts because it'll transform your life. And, and I truly believe it, it is the greatest platform to unleash human greatness because the journey and the lessons mirror life. And, and so that's what, you know, for me, as a lifelong martial artist, I, I am happiest when I'm able to light a fire in people to, to, to start martial arts or continue their martial arts journey because it's given me everything in my life. That's all. You know, my, my, my biggest message to yeah, your, all, all your listeners are, is, is that something like martial arts, it transforms lives. You know, it takes the weak and make them into the strong. It takes the fearful and, and makes them, you know, into the brave martial arts truly transforms lives. And so that's the one message I always have. And, and that's the one message I, I, I hope your listeners just look up their jujitsu academy or Muay Thai or whatever it is and, and, and start this journey that you and I have both been on. Wow. Gave me, they gave me chills, man. What a, what a gift to speak to you, Chatri. Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate you. No, thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for the opportunity and, and uh, you know, stay safe and stay blessed, man. What a guy, what a guy, such a pleasure to speak to people like that of that caliber. And you very quickly when you engage with them, understand why they are where they are. As I said in the intro, it's my understanding. I've been dwelling on this and reflecting on this for a long time now that, you know, in life, there are these, these different levels, there's different realms of life. There's heavens and there's hells. They're not actual places. They're, they're states of being, right? That's why some people live their human experience as if it's in heaven and others experience it as if they're in hell. And the way to move from the lower realms, the realms of either intense discomfort or mundanity or ah, just lack of fulfillment is not to change your circumstances. It's to change who you are. It's to change your frequency because you cannot enter into the higher realms when you're carrying with you low vibrations and low frequencies, things like anger and hatred and envy and all these low, low level things. They're just, they are the things that stop you from going where you want to go. I've always believed that. And I've, I've always seen it in my own life. You know, when I've been angry about something and filled with resentment and or hatred or, or any of those negative emotions, I'm in hell and things don't work. Things don't flow. I don't, I don't enjoy myself. Like my business suffers. I am barred from entering those higher states of being. So it's clear a guy like Chatri, you can, you can hear in the way he speaks. 
he describes someone who is living a life based on a high frequency, right? He's, he's running high quality software. And uh, it's an example we can all take and use to improve the quality of our own lives. I hope you guys enjoyed that show. And I look forward to connecting with you again in about a week. Until next time, keep the faith. Keep the faith.